Hello and welcome to Watch the Throne. What a lovely day. This is episode 11, Reindeer Games from 2000. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. With us today, we have our year 2000 expert. He was on Cage Club doing Gone in 60 Seconds from the year 2000. He was on Keanu Club doing The Replacements from the year 2000. When we were going to do the Ben Affleck podcast, he was going to do huh, this very movie. And then when we switched to Charlize, we're like, oh, we got to get him back for Reindeer Games. We have the one, the only, Dan the Duke Hayden. Hello, Duke. Hey, guys. Nice to be here again. Welcome back. I am sorry that you had to watch this film. This is decidedly the worst of the three that you have joined us for. Oh, by far. But I'm glad that we could keep your streak of year 2000 movies alive. Yes, this this movie, uh, you know, I did not see as I saw the other two in the year 2000. This is by far one of the worst films I've watched in the last couple of months. <laughs> I had seen this movie once before because the podcast How Did This Get Made did this, mm-hmm. and there's actually a great animation video online. If you just search HDTGM Reindeer Games Revelations or Reindeer Games Animation, there's a moment where they all realize that Ben Affleck's character is Rudy, a.k.a. Rudolph, and he's just playing Reindeer Games, and they lose their mind, and it's great. Outside of a bad movie podcast context, this is not a very good film. But Mike, you loved it, right? Oh man, this is, I mean, 2018 is starting off so good with Reindeer Games, I can't tell you. No, I hate this movie. <laughs> uh, I think, look, I, the, I've actually been watching some pretty good things this year, and then along came Reindeer Games. And, like, maybe last month when it was more Christmassy, I'd have been in a better mood about it. But, like, it just bummed me out how terrible it was. And, yeah, I just had a rough time getting through this one today. Two things about this from the trivia right away. This was supposed to originally be a Christmas 99 release. And the audience reactions to this movie were so poor that they buried it in February 2000. Whoa. So they're just like, we can't do a Christmas release. We're going to get like chased out of Hollywood, so let's bury this in a couple months. Dude, I would have thought that this was scheduled for a summer release. Like, that's the way I was thinking about it. Like, let's put this out, an action winter movie in the summer. We'll, we'll mess with the audience's mind. Like, it'll just make it more awesome. Because that's how it feels. It feels like a stupid summer blockbuster. Oh, the, the Christmas aspect of it. I mean, yeah, you've got, like, the Christmas music in it and everything, but it, it doesn't feel like a Christmas movie at all. Like, they keep saying, oh, it's Christmas, oh, it's Christmas. It's not Christmas until, like, the last, like, 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> Until they dress up as Santa Claus, yes. I mean, there's snow outside, but that's, you know, that's just winter. It's not Christmas. Right. Yeah, or depending on the part of the world, that's all all year round. And this movie takes place apparently in Upper Peninsula, Michigan, which, Duke, did you have any sense that this took place in Michigan? I mean, it felt more like, to me, it felt kind of Vermont-ish, like almost like, yeah, yeah, Midwestern-y a little bit too. But I mean, just the the hills and the ice fishing, I guess, yeah, it does kind of have like a, like a Michigan kind of frozen lake kind of a feel to it. Because I thought it was like upstate New York. Mike was saying before we started recording, he thought it might be like Connecticut or somewhere, I guess sort of like Vermont, like you said. And I looked on Wiki and it was shot in Vancouver, but it took place, supposed to take place in Michigan. So again, not a really great sense of place or time or holiday. The other thing I want to say about the quality of this movie was that in a 2000, an October 2007 interview with Esquire magazine, 
Charlize Theron said that this is by far her least favorite movie that she's done. Good she applause. She said it's a bad, bad film. Yes, Charlize. She made no qualms about it that she wanted to work with John Frankenheimer. Mm. Uh, that's why she did this movie. My counterpoint, because I know that none of us like this movie. However, I'm going to defend it a little bit in that I think it's cool that she is sort of like the ultimate bad guy in this. And I think that when she goes full-blown villain at the end... I think that's cool. I don't think this movie's mm-hmm. good, but I also think, mm-hmm. you know, 11 episodes into this podcast, we've watched two things I will never watch again, Hollywood Confidential and Celebrity. Mm-hmm. I would much, much, much rather watch this again than those. <laughs> and I think I put something else below this, too, on my list. Again, not a good movie. However, compared to some of the other stuff that we've watched, oh, also, I'd rather, I'd rather rewatch this than Astronaut's Wife, too. So hmm. we've watched some some rough stuff. So I will defend it a little bit. I don't think it's good, but I'm going to defend it as best I can. This is one of those movies that if I had nothing going on and I had some friends over and we might have had a couple of drinks, this would be like a good movie to like sit down and just laugh at the one-liners because the one-liners in this movie are absolutely atrocious but incredible in their own right. All holiday themes, like oh. uh, you're trying to get down her chimney. Gary Sinise is on fire in this movie. Like, look, I mean, like post-watching it, I sort of cruised the internet to get like the reaction to it and then I I didn't realize I mean I kind of got the sense halfway through that this is like so bad it's it's trying to be not that it's trying to be good but like people probably I can understand people enjoying this movie let me just put it that way I hate it I think it's a terrible movie but people love I love certain bad movies and I understand if people like this as a bad movie for me what bugs me the most is could have been a good movie like my major complaint joey knows this is like things just don't happen soon enough for me and i just feel like everything in this movie needed to be pushed up like 10 or 15 minutes he needed to get out of jail faster he needed to yeah. get betrayed faster Charlize theron needed to turn fast like at the end she needed to be bad for like a half hour not for like 10 minutes or whatever by the way best death but we'll get to it I don't like it, but I can understand people enjoying this movie. I, w- I will not watch it again. I'm not going to go back and watch like the theatrical cut. Maybe we should mention we watched like the steamy, sexy director's version. I looked up what the difference is between this and the regular cut. So the regular cut's 20 minutes shorter. The big difference apparently was that dart torture scene people were not on board with. The part where Gary Sinise is like actually throwing darts into Ben Affleck's body. Oh, well, that's when I was laughing the most. Yeah, that was my favorite part of the movie, I think. That's a great scene. Somebody described it, I don't know if it's a director who described it as darker, grittier, and sexier, this version. Mm. I don't remember which version I watched when I watched it for How This Get Made. I do remember that I've seen that Charlize, once again, gets naked in this movie. Like, again, like I feel bad for her in a bad movie to get naked again. Like, I get it, but, like, mm-hmm. at the same time, come on. Has to make out mm-hmm. with all the three lead guys, oh, too. Yeah, all and three they're gross. just, like, so cringy every time. The Affleck sex scene has all the chemistry of, like, Johnny and Lisa from The Room. It's just like, ugh. I know, they're on the floor at the end of it sleeping. Like, what, could, what a freaking cliche. <laughs> The director, John Frankenheimer, who has directed, like, really good old movies like the original Manchurian Candidate and stuff, most notably recently, I mean, I think he, he died, right? Yeah, he passed away in 2002 at age 72. Oh. I think most notably to me, at least in oh, terms no. of similar to this, is he directed The Island of Dr. Moreau after mm-hmm. Richard Stanley got booted. And so that's a disaster of a movie, too. And so, you know, this once 
great director sort of like hit this downslope at the end. I think this was his last theatrical feature film, so kind of a bummer of a note to go out on. But he did say he wished he was more open to notes while filming because he Hmm. felt that the original script that they wrote turned out like the movie is completely different than that like they just changed so much during shooting that he wasn't happy with it and he's like i wish that i was more receptive to notes because like even he's not happy with how it turned out you get you get a sense that maybe the script was the biggest problem with this movie that maybe there is somebody just the dialogue does seems kind of rushed and like it doesn't seem like the characters have anything to work with it feels kind of tone deaf to me in the sense that it's trying to hit these weird sort of like emotional beats at the wrong time like especially the end when he like gets home it's like the ending of planes trains and automobiles like not the end of this movie you know like when he sits down to christmas dinner and the music swells like there's some weird shit like that that goes on throughout this movie where it's just like where's this music coming from this is not music for a heist thriller this is music for like a dramatic romance you know rom-com or something and at the very end where he's just like i've never cared about the holidays until now and it's like this happy ending for a movie that doesn't deserve it Yeah, yeah and so that's why i feel like a lot of the sort of threatening moments that are supposed to be like scary and intense just come across as like laughable and unbelievable because yeah you're right this script is a total freaking mess like there's just not enough here i feel for like a whole movie even that they just they stretch it out way too long yeah the pacing's off i mean it is a very that's my big problem it's very very slow like it's just it's too sleepy for the most part but Mm -hmm. i don't know if we can blame the script because it sounds like the script is not what we see you know what i mean like that too i think the idea of a guy in prison getting out assuming the identity of his supposedly dead cellmate to like team up with this beautiful girl who like they rob a casino like that's I, that's a cool idea. Yeah, leave it at that. Like, yeah. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. You don't have to introduce her brother, right? Gary Sinise is supposed to be playing her brother. So, like, they find out that right. her brother sort of is, like, in charge of this scheme that they need him Affleck for now, even though he's the wrong guy. Like, it's immediately you introduce one more element, and it's starting to get too convoluted to explain for me. And that's not even the last, like, twist, you know? Like, at no, the end, no, we no. get the double reveal. that Yes. Which was so obvious. I knew... Something was up with that, but I didn't know how the movie was going to explain itself. But I, I knew it was a long con. You've been trained by Snake Eyes that whenever there's this many people around, there's got to be a long con gun. <laughs> I thought of you. So. <laughs> exactly. The twists are that Ben Affleck is roommates with this guy, bunkmates, cellmates, whatever, with this guy in prison, who in the opening scene, there's a there's a fight in the cafeteria over roaches in the jello. His cellmate gets stabbed, supposedly dies, in real life does not die, bribes the guards to say that he died Affleck gets out of prison conveniently like right then meets up with Charlize Theron and this was the plan all along assumes the identity which is like if Ben Affleck was just not a monster in this movie like if he just like wasn't in love with Charlize (laughs) Theron their plan wouldn't have worked you know what I mean yeah they were banking on him being a super creep as soon as he got out which is is hilarious huge gamble like, all this time and yes. effort? Like, what if he just got on the bus and left? Just like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm a good guy. We'll get into it, but I don't understand, like, how he's helpful. But we'll get there. Let's continue with this plot. He teams up with Charlize. They start making out. They have sex. They just met, basically. You know, he apologized for getting on the bus. Then her brother shows up, and it's like, we know that you worked at this casino because his cellmate was this guy who worked at a casino. We know you worked at this casino. We're going to rob it. And what's funny is that all movie long, he's saying, (laughs) I'm not him. 
I'm not him. And then at the very end of the movie, when they're at the casino, we have Dennis Farina, who, thank God for Dennis Farina. Oh, knows he what he's doing. breathed life into this movie yeah. at times. Karen Sisko's dad, I wanted to mention that. Yes. Yeah. Yep. At the end of the movie, when he's like, oh, this isn't Nick, they're like, wait, he's not Nick? Like, but he's been saying the whole movie, <laughs> he's not this guy. Why don't you believe him? Yeah, it's the same thing with, like, Gary Sinise. His character keeps saying, like, oh, I'm going to kill you now. Oh, I never made the same mistake <laughs> twice. Like, he lets ben, after beating him senseless, he lets Ben live like six times after he tries <laughs> yeah. to explain to him that he's Rudy and not Nick. You mean Gary Sinise, aka Monster? Monster. The guy's fucking name is Monster. You know, I think it's all because Charlize is really in charge here, and you know, for whatever reason, I still don't understand why this con had to be orchestrated, but we'll get there. But whatever she's doing is like convincing Gary Sinise, like, no, no, keep him around, we need him, whatever. Like, they're they're role-playing in front of him the whole time, yeah. right? Like, we, there's only, yes. and I wish there was more than one scene about that behind-the-scenes kind of thing. But what's weird is until you find that out, it's just confusing, and I don't understand, yeah. like you're saying, like, why don't they believe him? It's so weird. And then you find out at the end, Gary Sinise niece like did believe him the whole like oh i'm just it's getting too much well because i think the movie had this final twist in mind and they had to sort of work their way back and it just doesn't work out so they're saying you know you're this guy nick we're gonna rob this casino that you worked at for two years you know the ins and outs <laughs> we're gonna have a guy on the inside they go to case the joint then they go back to the hotel and this is when ben affleck uses the dart that he's been like punctured with to unscrew the bed frame so he can get out of his hotel room and he goes to the swimming pool at the hotel and sees Garrisonese and Charlie's making out. He knows that there's something going on here that he's not just at the mercy of this villain, but that he's also being lied to. So yeah. he he wants to set it up. And I guess he knows maybe there's also the powwow safe, which is the the key to all of this. <laughs> that even though they have ostensibly millions of dollars stolen from this casino, there's this powwow safe. Dennis Farina's character has apparently been skimming from the Native Americans who own this casino, that he's his Vegas high roller. He can't go back to Vegas. And he's been taking money from them, and he skims off the top, puts it in the safe, which I don't know why you'd keep it in the casino. That's baffling. He's been saving all that money, so Gary Sinise, even though he has millions of dollars, is like, I want the powwow safe. So Ben might know, Rudy might know what's in the safe. Whether he does or not, Dennis Farina pulls out guns, kills a bunch of the Santas, because they're all dressed as Santas. And then they escape, and then this is when Gary Sinise, Charlize, and Ben Affleck are the only ones alive, right? And he's like, you're going to pay. Charlize shoots Gary Sinise, and that's when the cellmate from the beginning shows back up, and he's been orchestrating this all along, and that Charlize has been like the main, like the mastermind on this. Like, it's just, what is happening? <laughs> I don't want to say that the strip tries like incredibly hard but i mean it's just so forced like why do you need this many twists and and why did you have to write these repeat like like i feel like people just keep repeating themselves over and over again in this movie the scenes just could like kind of blur together at some points oh man i like i have so so many feels feelings about this movie like it feels like like whoever wrote this i don't know who wrote this script or is in charge here but they it feels like they feel like it they think they wrote like the coolest fucking movie ever and it's like you know the end of that era the 90s are over no one wants to make like more tarantino stuff and it's like this came 
too late. Like, you know what I mean? It feels like it's just wedged in there somewhere between like a Tony Scott movie and like what's to come. Uh, maybe Tony Scott would have like knocked this out of the park. Who really knows? But I just get the sense that the movie thinks it's super smart and really awesome and cool and funny and hitting all the marks like just the right way and I just don't like I don't it just doesn't work it's hitting all the wrong marks for me and it's not where I mean there's so much to go back over with all that plot stuff but one thing you left out that just like drove me insane is when Affleck falls through the ice and saves Theron and then oh yeah he gets hypothermia that's when they're like throwing darts at him so he's like freezing to death and he's getting dart punctures in him and then the very next scene he's totally fine he's like dry and he's sneaking out the window at night with no jacket on and he's like totally cool trying to like go across the street to the gun nuts car and steal his gun which doesn't have a gun in it so it's like a completely useless scene it was a hunch i also feel like maybe time time is not linear in this movie i don't know (laughs) i mean i didn't have a problem with that i mean it's crazy but i also figured you know because charlise was under the ice too and she warmed up quickly you know what i mean so like there might have just been a passage of time or who knows i don't know yeah it could have been like later in the evening by the way that scene in particular he's going he's operating on the hunch that somebody with an nra bumper sticker for sure has a gun in their car. <laughs> he breaks into the car, and then when he doesn't find anything, he leaves. Like, dude, you're, you're, you're a car thief, and you're in a car. Just bounce. Steal the fucking car, man, yeah. Just, just leave. Well, as we know, hot-wiring a car is apparently the same as hot-wiring a hotel room door. He's like, I can do a car, why can't I do this? And he's just like tapping like buttons like on the top like it's it's all it's all very strange but what i did want to say mike you mentioned that this is like sort of a post tarantino thing i feel like every time someone gets shot in this movie they start talking like tim roth at the beginning of <laughs> yeah. Yes. Where they're just like they're like doing that like <laughs> just like i don't like they're like all right you know that scene like just do that and like all right i got it and like because it's all exactly that like delivery and intonation and just work like everything is just like I'm Tim Roth at the beginning of Reservoir Dogs. I just got shot. This is the movie we're making, man. Yeah, the beginning, the the jail scene, when uh, Nick, the character Nick, get, gets stabbed, he's, like, extremely, like, makeup pale. Like, it's it's almost kind of comical. Yeah, he's, like, bleeding from the mouth and crying, and, like, yeah, he's doing well, that Well, the bleeding from the mouth is explained, because he, pop, oh, he yeah. pops at the end of the movie. But the fact that, like, he shouldn't be pale at all, because we find out that, like, he didn't get stabbed, he just got cut across the ribs. Like, he's not bleeding out. Right. He basically got, like, a bad scratch. And then, like, yeah. he popped a blood pack in his mouth, and, like, a, you know, a prison-made blood pack. That just, that's why he's bleeding from the mouth. Mm-hmm. But, like, he shouldn't be pale at all. Like, that's, like, no. the movie lying to us. Like, not just the movie lying right. to Ben Affleck, but the movie lying to us. Yeah, and the movie cheats like that a lot, I feel like. Even if we're not really noticing it, that's why, to me, it's sort of off a step. And that's definitely, like, with the major reveal, like, it makes absolutely no sense, like, why Nick and his girlfriend would do this except that they're bored they're sociopaths like they're crazy people like this is just a rise for them you know it's all just like a reindeer game i guess like i don't understand (laughs) like i just don't understand why that extra twist was there like you said earlier i would much rather prefer that gary sinise never even showed up and it was just ben affleck and Charlize theron trying to rob a casino together and he's using the assumed identity and then they just have like breakup problems throughout the movie or so i don't know i guess the whole reason 
reason that they're involved is because you need five or six guys to rob the casino, right? I was thinking, like, why wouldn't real Nick, the guy who fake died in prison, yeah. why wouldn't he just wait to get out of prison and then, like, rob the casino? Well, right. because he needs Affleck to do it. So, like, because he doesn't, doesn't want to be the one who... Well, he is, I guess he doesn't want to be the one who robs it. He'd rather just have somebody else rob it, kill that guy, and then take the money. Which, but which then why does it have to be Affleck? Sense. Why not just hire Gary Sinise and his boys to do it? Because that's not this movie. I know it's not this movie, but that's what I'm saying. It Like, it doesn't account for people trying to understand it. It just wants you to take it moment by moment and accept what it's telling you. Yeah, I don't know. But, like, you need a crew of guys, so I guess you need them, but, like... I, I don't. I don't know. At least the crew of guys is pretty cool. We have Donald Loge, and we've got Machete is here. You Danny know, Trejo. Gary Sinise as Monster is at least like trying to go big and do something here, as opposed to Affleck. And I feel like he's at least you know seems like he's having fun trying to make this work. So, how much better would this movie be if the Gary Sinise role was played by Nicolas Cage? Oh, Infinitely. no doubt. Amazingly, yeah. And I mean, even Gary Sinise should have played the Affleck role. That would have been better, too. Before I get into it, because there's, there's other things I want to say about his crew in terms of casting and stuff like that, but we'll get that in a second. Let's try to figure out the logic of Nick's plan. So Nick is in prison, right? Yeah. The real Nick is in right. prison. And right. he's like, I want to rob this casino because I have the knowledge. I guess when he went to prison, he was dating Charlize, right? Bonnie? Yeah, so Molly. he goes to jail because... Molly. Yeah, so he went to prison because some dude like... Millie. Millie Blowback. It is Millie Blowback. Terrible name. (laughs) (laughs) Nick is in prison because some guy moved on Charlize and he killed the dude. And so he's in jail for manslaughter. And so, like, he went to jail for her. You know, they're in mad love together. So it's sort of uh, Con (laughs) Air-ish. Yeah, it's like evil Con Air. Evil Con Air. Okay. So Nick is in prison, and he's like, I want to rob this casino because I have the inside knowledge, but I need someone else to do it. So I guess, theoretically, he could just have Charlize, who he's in contact with, right, mm-hmm. say, hey, go seduce Gary Sinise and his group. But I guess there there is no need for There is no need for Ben Affleck. I guess you're right. Just have her seduce... If Charlize was the main character, well, no, because that wouldn't work because we would, like, the twist would be, like, we would know the twist. Like, Gary Sinise would have to be the main character. Like, it feels like Ben Affleck had to have wronged his cellmate at some point and then he wanted to get back at him. But that's not the issue. Like, it's just like, we were great cellmates. We had a lot of fun together. And I just felt like fucking you over, man. Like, sorry, dude. He just needed a patsy, yeah. But he didn't need him to be the patsy, which right. is weird. Also, but, like, it seems like he, like, Nick has this sway at the prison he's able to bribe a guard to say that he died if he's got that kind of sway he's also got the kind of sway to just have like ben affleck like shanked in the yard like if he was actually wronged right like he could just have somebody kill him yeah and he also seems like the kind of guy who if he got out he could just go up to the dennis farina character who is skimming off the top and be like hey like let's rob your casino like do it nice and easy from the inside and then just shoot him or something and walk is out the back door off the top or is that not real yeah because the dudes come to him and are like your casino is giving a reservation like a bad name or whatever and he's like yeah we're a roadside attraction like we're known worldwide so yeah they're like your casino needs to perform better i didn't think he was skimming i thought he just like they brought him in because he was just like this vegas hot shot again there's no right or wrong answers because this movie explains nothing but i <laughs> thought like he was a success in vegas these this native american casino was jealous of the other two in the area were doing so well like one made 12 million 
one made 14 million or whatever. So they brought this guy in to basically fix the casino. I thought they were mad because like he didn't do enough. And so he was describing it as like, well, we're not a casino, we're a roadside attraction. And like, you know, we're not going to have the same kind of profits. Like, I didn't think he was skimming. Mm, okay. If that skimming thing was true, the powwow safe would have been real. It would have been filled with money instead of guns, you know? Oh, but I thought there was yeah. money in it. There's like one bad shot where you get a different angle and there's a there is some money in it but i hear what you're saying yeah it's not telegraphed in the way that this movie is telegraphing all the other shit that it wants you to know for sure i mean it also makes sense in this world that dennis farina is just yet another person who's not good at what he does in this world just like oh i'm not a good you know casino guy so whatever yeah that's what i got from it i thought he was a hack like you know trying to explain that they have both coke and pepsi and that no other place would have that (laughs) right that's such (laughs) such a perfect placement for this movie like the movie trying to do all these things that just are wrong and don't make any sense it's just like having coke and pepsi it's wrong and it doesn't make any sense they want to do both yeah, yeah. and it just there's only room for one yeah he's got a total sort of like a uh, fredo vibe going on at one point here right where it's i'm starting to pick up on that where maybe he just talked his way into the job but like it also doesn't matter because he's not important enough his role is that he knows nick that's it. Like, that's the only reason he's in the movie. <laughs> like, he knows Nick. He, Nick worked for him for two years. He says, this guy isn't Nick. Like, that's it. Like, that's the only reason he's in the movie. He also starts one of my favorite sequences of the film, where he goes and talks to Ben Affleck, who is <laughs> dressed up like a cowboy, because th- that's always a great disguise. And just put a goatee on and a cowboy hat, that that definitely will make you look different. What I do like, before you, before you continue, like, yeah. Ben Affleck does point out, he's like, this is a terrible costume. Like, that's not, like, yeah. it's not the movie being bad, it's just that Gary Sinise being an idiot. Maybe the whole point of that is so that Gary can- Sinise can deliver the line, if you get recognized, it'll be a country-western funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible disguise, like, I mean... It looks like a Halloween costume. Nothing. It looks like what Marty McFly wore when he went back to the past. You know, <laughs> like he just shows up in like a toy costume or something like that. It's bizarre. But what is even crazier about that moment is that he like runs into Ashton Kutcher in the bathroom. Yeah. Yep. Credited as college kid. Is that what the credit is? College kid. So like he what pays Ashton Kutcher a hundred bucks to switch jackets with him because he's got the same facial hair yeah so like this ha- i mean i've seen this in a bunch of movies i don't i i think this is kind of cool like it's a cool way for him to get away i've seen this in a bunch of movies so like yeah hey give me money to like basically yeah. body swap for a second so that he he's, he thinks he's the wrong person or whatever i've seen that in movies i think i think i think that works here i think that's pretty cool pretty smart mm. i don't know i it just felt like another needless cliche to me where it's like man really like the odds of like this guy with the exact same facial hair as your fake facial hair and I don't know I mean he could have just taken off his like goatee or something and like walked out the back door I don't know I'm starting to be too mean I feel at this point at this so so the thing is that like you know, he, he could take in the goatee off or whatever, but, like, he's he's under watchful eye. Again, I don't know why I'm defending this movie, just to have conversation, I guess. But he's yeah. under a watchful eye by, like, five or six guys in the casino, right? They realize that something's up and almost immediately track him down to the bathroom. So, like, he only, like, I don't think he has enough time or ability to sneak out the back door without some kind of diversion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear what you mean. So he changes the costume, you know, attacks the one guy in the bathroom, tells Ashton Kutcher to run, that's what draws the car away, and that's actually, like, it's a good enough plan that Ben Affleck is able to run away, and the only reason he gets caught is because that's the the ice scene, right? Like, he runs yeah, away. Yeah, 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 they fall through the yeah. ice. So I think, I like that plan. I don't I don't mind that plan. All right, I guess it's better than sneaking out the window. 
guess then. Not to go too into much detail about it at all, but just the most random thing also in that scene, one of the crew runs into a bartender and and like talks to her briefly and she just randomly mentions that she's very cold oh she yeah. says the same thing yeah, later she says the same right? thing and it's just like what was the point of that was this somebody's but yeah just to no payoff like that's not like no, uh they like... keep casinos like really cold like that's part of like a casino thing i thought and so i actually thought that was kind of funny like oh i guess yeah she'd be freezing she's not wearing much it's just there to be funny but it's not i think so i think it's casino it's humor. <laughs> well you know this movie isn't funny <laughs> I, I agree with duke like when she said that like to me, it was that kind of moment where, like, somebody was supposed to have a realization, like, oh, I've been here before, like, I know what's happening. Oh, I don't I know how it would have worked. It was the same character saying the same line, and she was the one earlier in the movie who's like, I've been here since we opened, we've never yeah. remodeled. And, like, yeah. for her to say the same line later, if it's a joke, it doesn't work. And if it's supposed to be anything other than a joke, no character in the movie realizes what it's supposed to be. That's crazy. I, I actually laughed at that moment because I thought it was funny. I was like, she's just stating the obvious. You know, she probably gets asked that question every two minutes, you know, and it's just like she got to the point where she's like, I'm just going to have a token answer to everybody and that's all it's going to be. It's never getting past that. When I ever go to a casino, I'm always cold. I figured that was just part of the joke what can i say it's i was grasping at straws i like that the one thing that worked for you in this movie is the one thing that me and duke are like what the fuck was this like, like what okay so talking about gary sinise's crew so danny okay. trejo obviously great yeah donald logue who i love with danny trejo coming up with christmas too loved that concept too yep. yes which we're gonna get to in a little bit we have a new game on this episode so i, I wrote that down christmas too because danny trejo is like going back to night school right and he's like <laughs> yeah businesses do 50 percent of their annual thing in the 25 days leading up to christmas like you know if i was the government i would have a, a christmas too it's like well actually that's you know not a terrible idea like have another big boon of a shopping holiday absolutely good job danny trejo but donald logue was supposed to be vin Diesel. Whoa. Really? No way. And there's two stories that I've heard. One said there was a, he, like, he got into like a fight with Frankenheimer and left, which <laughs> I guess could be true. The more realistic one, Danny Trejo said what happened actually was that he was cast as Dom in The Fast and the Furious. Mm -hmm. And so he obviously left this movie to go do that movie. And that was the right call, obviously. Definitely. Very right call. Because Donald Logue is fine in this movie. He just got a small part. He's a henchman. But, you know, you could be the lead of a action franchise, which, yeah, right call. Uh, I actually can't place the face. Is he, is he the one in the back of the truck? The redhead. Oh, yeah, so yeah. He, yeah, he's, he's the one he's next the guy to with the, the dirty there, teeth. There are more of these in the world than uh, than horses, the big picture of the horse's ass that screams, like, watch your mouth, it's Christmas. Yes. The only one that, that thinks that Affleck's lying, too. He's like, I, he's like, I understand why he would tell us that he's not Nick, but why would he tell her he's not Nick? And everyone, like, thinks about it for, like, a hot second, and they're like, Nah. <laughs> and he's like, guys. It's, that's the same kind of realization that eventually pays off in the end where Ben Affleck's like, well, how'd she know about the shiv? Like, it's the oh same kind God. of thing. Like, Gary is like, hold on one second. Like, why don't you think about, like, literally anything about this plan? Doesn't this, like, not make sense? Like, and he's just like, oh. <laughs> he's like, oh, you're right. And, like, that's when, like, you know, he gets killed or whatever. Two other sort of, not in, not his crew, but I want to say, in the prison scene, Isaac Hayes is in there. Oh, yeah. Also, the guy who stabs Nick 
is former NFL defensive lineman Dana Stubblefield. Oh, awesome. <laughs> what I also read on IMDb, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm assuming it is. Like I say every time there's like a weird story like this, I always say, we treat the trivia on IMDb as gospel. We don't do anything <laughs> on that. It may not be real, but I think it is. In that skirmish, he apparently knocked Ben Affleck over and gave Affleck a concussion. And oh. filming had to be shut down until Affleck was able to recover. Ooh. Wow. NFL, you know, he failed the concussion protocol, I guess. Poor Ben. I think Ben Affleck's kind of terrible in this movie. Oh, he's not good. I thought it was just going to be like, okay, it's like, I like him in other stuff, you know? I'm like, he's fine in, in other movies, and in some movies, he's actually quite good. And, and this has to be the worst I've ever seen him before. I think he knows that he's in a dog, you know, that this is like a shit show, you know, on set. I don't know. I wasn't there, but I can't imagine this was like a smooth sailing ship. The the character itself, like especially like the way he treats Charlize Theron throughout the entire movie is like kind of uncomfortable. Like some of the things he says to her, he keeps putting her down. I mean, I know he's under the conception that she might be screwing him over, but it just kind of made me feel uncomfortable some of the times that he was interacting with her. Like he has no right to be upset at her for lying about her brother forcing her into this situation when he's lying to her about who he is his identity you know he's like he made the wrong you know he lied first as far as i'm concerned like if we had seen charlize get dropped off by gary sinise at the prison without saying anything like maybe he's there in the background then they're planting the seed of deception for her as far as i'm concerned like he almost turns into the villain at one point in this movie you said something to me last night that we dodged a bullet in not doing affleck and i think you are absolutely right like, oh man, like it's just disappointing. Like, I don't think Charlize is very good in this movie either. I don't think it's her fault. I think she's better than most, if not everybody. Like, I mean, Garrison is probably the best in this movie. Charlize is probably second. She's not great, but at least we have like some scenes where she she sort of has that like I think we've seen a few times already like that sort of like that Charlize Theron emotion where she like sort of like she's really passionate about you know like and she's like on the verge of tears. Mm-hmm. I feel like she does that again in this movie. But like yeah, you're right. Like if we were here and Ben Affleck, where would this have fallen? There's some bad Affleck movies, man. <laughs> there are some really bad ones, especially from this time period, like from the early 2000s. This was his. 24th thing we would have done. So, wow. Wow. Okay. Man, like, it, we would have... We're getting this out of the way early with Charlize. Like, we would have had to build up to this, and I'm just like, oh, boy. Yeah, I think Charlize, even though this is a bad movie, this is more of the type of movie I think at this time, like, she's able to perform and move in. Like, I feel like in Cider House last week, she was a little, like, out of her depth, maybe, or just hasn't hadn't done, like, a drama of that type yet so it was sort of new but she's done cheesy action good action like schlocky stuff like b movies like all this that kind of stuff me a lot of two days in the valley in a lot right. of ways which she's yeah. already done yeah so that's what i was sort of getting at like it sort of plays to her strengths as an actress that's at this point and i really feel like at the end she comes alive like if we if she was in charge at the end earlier and shot gary sinise like immediately after they got out of the casino and then like her and ben affleck had like a real sinister conversation at gunpoint and then her boyfriend shows up again you know like stretch that stuff out to like a good half hour let her be that next personality more because that's where she's like really in charge and like i feel like that's her best part of the performance yeah they move her around like a little too much 
like I said, like I keep talking about with the script, I, I feel like she was confused about how to play this character up until the end of the film. Yeah, like I feel like the movie just needs to have a few more scenes. And again, I don't know, maybe this was in the, maybe the script makes sense. Who knows? But I feel like the movie needs a few more scenes where we see someone doing something weird. Or like a character catches another character like making a phone call or doing something they shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Just so we like sort of plant the seeds that things aren't what they seem. I mean, like, you can sort of think, because it's that type of movie, and, you know, especially if you've seen enough movies like Mike, you know, you can sort of guess, like, some, there's more to what's going on here. But, like, if you're just watching this movie as a movie, like, everything is just sort of presented at face value. And I think it's supposed to be, like, when we see her in the pool making out Gary Sinise, that's supposed to be this big reveal, like, oh. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, a straight-up, his cellmate died, he assumed his identity, and he's, like, a wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's kind of a boring movie. Like, there has to be something more. And I feel like if you plant a few seeds, if you give her direction, if you, like, add in a few things like, oh, here you're on a scene, you know, talking to Nick, but nobody knows you're talking to Nick, or whatever, mm-hmm. build her arc in a way that makes sense both for the character, for the actress, and for the audience, that would be better. But here, just, like, we're not going to show you any cards until we want to, like, wow you. And, like, it just it just feels like it comes out of nowhere because, like, nothing's been set up. Ultimately, what ends up happening are, like, these exposition dumps, especially at the end when Nick comes back from around the side of the truck and it's just like, oh, I've been, you know, at a hotel for a week just making, you know, hoping that this all goes according to plan. And then he, like, talks about how we timed the shanking and, like, the blood bag and bribing the cops and after and, like, Charlie the truth about her it's just like what should happen at this moment if this is done correctly is that as soon as he shows up the audience has a revelation to their self and everything snaps into place it doesn't work if the mystery man comes around the corner and has to explain like everything that he's done up until this point you're absolutely right joey it's the lack of setup or lack of misdirection there's no misdirection here whatsoever and that's like the main point do you think anybody heard nick's character whistling and then heard charlie's whistling back and was like (laughs) oh my god (laughs) probably i mean there probably there are probably some dum-dums out there who love this movie like i i still think that every movie is somebody's favorite movie right so like there's somebody out there who loves reindeer games and this is their favorite movie who was like probably blown away by that scene by like oh i didn't see that reveal coming at all like this is the coolest movie ever yeah and i and i hate being like mean about i mean it's fun to be mean about movies at times but like i don't always enjoy it and i don't intend to watch a movie just to bash it you know it's like i love movies and i wanted this movie to be a better movie version of itself like it had two chances a theatrical cut and a director's cut there's a good movie here there's a good premise there are cool characters there are good twists it's just executed poorly and that's what's frustrating like if, if everything was bad it's bad I, I mean i don't know how to fix it like you have to simplify things i think in a lot of ways but like there's a good movie here that's not like you could probably re-edit this somehow into like with existing footage into mm-hmm. a better movie you know like and that's what's frustrating yeah you could probably cut this so the whole cassidy twist at the end is gone and he just runs over Charlize Theron with a flaming ghost rider car into the ravine at the end <laughs> cut around all that other shit <laughs> by the way the only reason why ben affleck is a car thief is for that end of the movie that's the only <laughs> reason why he's a car thief yeah he has like a car thief's graduation certificate on his like prison wall and then like duke said he neglects to actually steal the car when he can to make a getaway and then at the end he says aloud to himself something like never 
Put a car thief in a stolen car. Never attempt to kill someone in a car when they're a car thief. Like, I don't know what he says. It's never never put a car thief behind the wheel. One thing I wanted to mention, Mike, I don't know if you you realize this, but this is the second movie, and again, very similar to Two Days in the Valley because the other time it happened. The second movie already that we were introduced to Charlize Theron via photos, via pictures, before we actually see her as a person. At least in this one, she's not photographed. As a dead body. Dead and bloody and naked, <laughs> yes. Which movie is that again? Two Days in the Valley. It's from 96. It's like this movie that really wants to be a Tarantino or like a Shane Black movie and just doesn't work. It's about like hitmen trying to like... It's like the same movie as this kind of, but like with hitmen. It's like hitmen trying to rob a guy, basically. So should I and watch it? And there's like it? this twist on twist on twist. Should I watch it or just listen to your podcast? Just listen to the podcast. Okay. That was the that. second thing. That was like her first big movie. Like it was the second thing she did... Her first, like, she's not the star of it, but she's, like, a really cool character. Who's the star? There's, it's like an ensemble. It's hard to say. Like, Danny Aiello's in it. James Spader. Okay. Don't watch it. I mean, I think it's on Amazon <laughs> Prime if you want to, but, like, just listen to the podcast. That's fine. Like, one thing I want to say, that in, in addition to the clunky exposition, there's just terrible noir Ben Affleck voiceover that comes and goes oh, whenever it's convenient. God. yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. at the beginning, and then, like... It happens at the beginning, which I'm like, okay, like, lazy setup, but, like, that's a, a thing a lot of movies do. Like, that's not great, but whatever. And then, like, it goes away, and then, like, an hour and 15 minutes later, it comes back, and I was like, <laughs> wait, what? And then at the end, you know, he has that, like, you know, I never appreciated the holidays until now. I'm like, you can't do this. Like, no. either do it at the beginning, and then maybe at the end, or do it throughout. But, like, just don't drop that middle one in. Like, that's just like a, oh, none of this makes sense. We need to explain something here. Yeah, that, that made me sort of pine for last week with the Cider House where at least the voiceover was explained as people reading letters to each other at some point. So I was like, okay, that's that's an interesting way to work in a voiceover. At least they're not just, you know, talking to themselves in their head. But here it's completely unacceptable. Oh, another thing I didn't think that you were going to like, Joey, right at the top, we have one of those wraparound situations. I don't know what we call yes. that exactly. Where they show the, 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 the basically the, the final shootout, like the aftermath of the final shootout at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually pretty cool at the beginning of this movie because you're like, oh, a bunch of dead Santas. And then I forgot about it, maybe because I wasn't fully invested in this movie because I'd seen this movie before. I think if we saw Santas shooting each other, yes. I would have hated it. But sort of seeing just like the aftermath, I think works kind of well. When we get to the thing, I'm like, oh, right, like this is how the movie started. So like, I didn't mind that as much as I otherwise might have. Yeah, I thought it was an actually pretty well done version of that because it's not an entire scene like we get in like right. The Devil Knows You're Dead, right? Right? And it's very yep. quick, and like you said, we don't see anyone. We don't know who the dead bodies are exactly. Like we don't see anybody's face, so it could be anybody, really. Uh, so yeah, it was sort of like a better version of one of those types of scenes. I mean, immediately you know, as soon as you see the Santa costumes, like, oh well, I guess a lot of them are gonna die because I remember that first scene. <laughs> but the movie bores you to death, so you forget, like, no matter I what you've forgot. seen before. <laughs> I love how Gary Sinise reveals that they're gonna be wearing Santa outfits, and Ben Affleck is like so surprised. It's like you know this is their first robbery, and you know these guys are idiots. How are you that surprised that they're gonna do the robbery in Santa outfits? But also, it kind of works. Yeah, the Santa it thing works. is kind of cool, right? It's like an ex-president's kind of thing. Like, you want to all dress alike to rob the place, and it's Christmas, so... Well, let me tell you guys, if you ever, 
I'm sure you guys have been to a casino. Do you think you could ever walk into a modern no, no. day casino with your face covered, let alone sit down at a blackjack table with your face no, covered? No, absolutely not. No, and one guy even starts saying that, right? One of the other patrons is like, take off your beard, take off your beard. But I think he's just being an asshole. To the point where, like, when I worked at Best Buy seven years ago, and it was Halloween, they're like, you can dress in costume, but you can't, like, we won't let anyone in the store with their face covered. That's just a Best Buy, let alone a casino. You know what I mean? Like, if, like, if a retail <laughs> store doesn't let you cover your face, why would a casino? This is pre-9-11, man. This is a whole different world. Also, as we know, it's a very poorly run casino. So, like, yeah. you know... Is it a real casino? Because it kind of looks like shit. Like, it kind of <laughs> looks like something you'd get in, like, a mid-90s direct-to-VHS, like, Canon picture or something like that. Like, this really, this isn't a real casino. This is, like, Bruce Wayne's back room from Batman. Did, like, this is not real. Did either of you pick up on the audio issues when they get into the casino? Is he putting a tape in because he's literally making background yes. music to a casino? What? Like, <laughs> and he has like lots of tapes too like for different situations i guess it's very strange it feels like that office is just a hundred percent physical media because there's all those <laughs> tapes when gary sneeze goes in to shoot up and like basically when the heist is happening he shoots all the tvs which by the way does nothing then he shoots like the 25 VCRs that are all recorded <laughs> and then he shoots the wall of VHS tapes it's like how much like the office is not that big but like i don't know dude his monitors that are supposed to be like security monitors are just like tube TVs like stacked on top of each other because like that's all they could fu- fucking like muster and like yep. put into the scene and shit <laughs> oh, it actually reminded me of uh the RCTV Shout out to Randall Poe College, RCTV setup. They're just like, oh, we're like having 80s technology in like modern day world. <laughs> That's all we can afford. One thing I actually wanna, I wanted to point out, it's unrelated to anything else, but Mike, the, as we're recording this yesterday, the Devil's Advocate episode of Watch a Throne dropped. And we were talking, you were talking in there about the Keanu Reeves sex scene and about like how we see his butt. And here oh. we see Ben Affleck butt too. It's just yeah. like, it's like, I guess people want that. Oh, the ass fleck. It just, oh, I hated Ooh, I like this. That. <laughs> There's no grace to any of that sequence. Like, there's no... I don't feel the passion. Like I said earlier, like, it feels like something out of the room to me or something. There's just no chemistry. Yeah, all the making out seems like they're trying to eat each other's upper lip or chin. I mean, it's just... I I don't know who was directing these kisses between Charlize and these three other guys, but it's it's all wrong. (laughs) It's all wrong. The funniest is when Nick comes back at the end and they literally are, like chewing each other's face off. <laughs> See, I got that vibe with all of the guys she was making out with, with Gary Sinise and, and with Ben. It kind of looked like mm. that to me, too. How cool would it have been if the reveal was just that her and Gary Sinise were brother and sister and that they were just, like, <laughs> oh, incestual? No, no, not cool. Cool is the wrong word. <laughs> okay, maybe not cool, but more risky. I don't know. They could be step-siblings. There you go. So one thing, that, one thing that happens toward the end of the movie that the movie tries to set up and actually kind of... It actually pays off, but in a way that's completely unrealistic that they give Ben Affleck the squirt gun, that he wants a gun for the heist. Oh, Christ. Like, oh, yeah, you got the squirt gun. And so while they're on the way to the heist, Donald Logue gives him rum. He puts rum in there. He's drinking from there. I don't remember. One of the goons goes to light a cigarette. Clarence Williams. Ben Affleck shoots the rum, like a little bit of rum, 
at the the, the lighter and it like engulfs the guy in flames and I'm like yeah. what yeah they're like tussling on the ground and they each reach for a gun and Affleck comes up with the water pistol and the guy's like taking his sweet ass time laughing that he's gonna shoot him in the face but he's like first I'm gonna light this cigar or whatever and then Affleck I think he has a stupid line and he squirts yeah like a squirt of liquor is gonna just like turn into a massive flamethrower oh <sighs> I don't remember the line there. What I was actually disappointed in, and now there's a couple, and this relates also to something else I want to say. When Ben Affleck basically pins, again, we mentioned this at the beginning, best death in a Charlize movie so far. Charlize gets pinned to this car that's on fire. The car flies off a ravine into like this valley, explodes in a fiery explosion. She is dead, dead. Mm-hmm. And he just looks over and doesn't have like a corny, cool line. Like your whole movie is corny lines. Have him say something. Well, he just got done with the terrible never put a car thief behind the wheel line. He was all out of lines. He's like, shit, I didn't know I was going to do something that bad. <laughs> Like, even something lame like Merry Christmas, bitch, or something like that. You know, like, just anything. Like, he stares at her for, like, on screen, like, like a 15-second close-up. Oh, also, by the way, why were there so many uncomfortable close-ups? Oh, in this movie? oh, so oh yes. Okay, so I was going to save this for the end to when you were going to ask me if I had anything else to talk about. But usually when there's a bad movie, I could at least say, like, oh, I enjoyed the cinematography. I thought it was shot well. This isn't. This is shot like someone who doesn't know what they're doing. First of all, the uncomfortable close but then like the very dodgy framing of like two and a half heads you know on screen or something yeah, or like four exactly heads crunched into a shot <laughs> it is just like terribly shot the shot will be of gary sinise talking for instance but like the left third of the screen is just danny <laughs> treo's face it's like why are we why is this the angle and like it's not once like it's repeated like hey this is a cool thing we're gonna do but like What's the point of it? Yeah, and the, the shot will sort of slip into like a Dutch angle at times for cer- some scenes. Because nothing is what it seems, man. Yeah, and then like you'll think a shot is, is on sticks, and suddenly it'll herky-jerky move across the room like handheld, and it's just like, wait, what? Like, you're supposed to cut and like go to a different angle. <laughs> like, yeah, everything between between the sex scenes and these very unskilled like frame shots, I mean, it just... Like, do you think that whoever was like filming this thought like oh this is a fantastic shot or had any like rhyme or reason behind any of it or was just like just get this on the film well one thing i can say is that i've literally never seen it before or since so it's unique in that sense <laughs> oh i've seen it before a lot like in in school when we were making student films and shit like that is <laughs> just it feels like amateur hour okay. like i think i'm more on duke's side like maybe clearly everyone you know we're gonna make this movie let's try and make it the best we can but somewhere along the lines it seems like it turned into let's just get this done and over with like let's just try and make something because it's not like every shot is the worst it's just that most of them are the worst so it just seems like they're running out of time or they're running and gunning or they're they want to switch it up and do things we need to do more setups like i get the sense that it it became a bit of a rushed production yeah yeah i I don't know (laughs) i don't know how long it took to shoot but like it's who yeah not good if if you said it tested so terribly and they pushed it to push the release like that like they knew that they had like a turd on their hands i think you know watching this and seeing all these faces pop up it seemed like a good enough cast to make a decent film at the time like you were saying before i I don't remember if it was mike or joey that i feel this movie could have been edited in such a way that it couldn't have been yeah. such a flaming bag of garbage. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like the goal was, you know, if only it was longer, maybe people would get it. But I get the feeling like, oh, maybe if it was only shorter, it would make more sense. 
I mean, that's coming from the two of us who just watched it, or all three of us who just watched the director's cut. And uh, I don't know, I was really having trouble staying awake through some of this. Yeah, I don't think it's the length. I think it's what they actually use that time to show. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. the length's not the problem, it's the speed. Or if you edit it down, that would work too. Cut out like half an hour of this, or add another half an hour of other stuff. Like, one or the other, like, just put this middle ground where it is, it's not great. Yeah, do we really need Ben telling everybody he had better sex in prison? And, and like, <laughs> just, like, the repeating over and over again of, of him trying to get away, Charlie's defending him, and Gary Sinise saying, oh, I'm going to kill him because he's not who he's, he says he is. Oh, wait, no, he is the guy. I'm, I'm not going to kill you. It happens, like, five times. Oh, boy. I feel like a really, you know, the, the something that this, this movie actually made me think of, and this might kind of sound surprising maybe not but like I, I was watching this movie and I was like you know what I really want to rewatch now that make me like feel good is Red Rock West it's interesting you All mentioned right. Cage could have been in this because that's sort of about this guy who wanders into a town and gets involved in a scheme that he's sort of the wrong man it does sort of that wrong man neo-noir thing correctly and it's not sleepy but it takes its time and it's very interesting and it's cool and that's a super strong version of something kind of like where this is trying to be that on more of like uh oh we also want to appeal to the action blockbuster crowd but it's not gonna be an action movie whatsoever but we're gonna have action characters like danny trejo and monster played by gary sinise and stuff (laughs) it's also interesting she'll go on to play monster in a couple movies when you said monster like i I didn't catch his name in the movie i was like what are you talking about but that's just me not paying attention could you imagine being like yeah monster what did you do today The only other note that I have about the movie is that I wish, and we've been saying it throughout, I wish that Charlize had more time as the bad guy because she's got a couple kind of corny but also cool lines. Charlize, when he first gets out of prison and they're at that diner and it's a really awkward sort of first date where he has to explain why he bailed on her. And she says something like, it's it's like that scene and also like right after their sex scene, right after they do the dirty corn, where like, (laughs) she's like, you know, no guy has ever wanted to get to know me. And I was like, oh boy, like another one of these movies where like nobody recognizes how beautiful she is. But like, that's just like an act, right? Because we know Mm -hmm. that she, so like what I liked is at the end, before we know that there's the final twist that Nick is actually alive, Ben Affleck, Rudy is like, he really loves you, Nick. He really loves you. And she says, who wouldn't? I love that. Like, she's like, yeah, like, of course. Like, look at me. Like, who wouldn't mm-hmm. love me? I love that. And then I think earlier in the movie, for or maybe at that same scene or something, he points out that, like, he's like, I, I saw you guys in the pool or whatever. He's like, you're always fucking the wrong guy. Or, like, he says it about himself uh-huh. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the movie, she's like, you know, in her, like, again, super cool. She's like, for your information, I never fuck the wrong guy. And it's like, yes, like, cool. Like, she is badass like i just wish we had more of that like that's why i don't hate this movie because i love her turn as the villain i mean i'm sure she's gonna be the villain in more stuff coming up especially most notably recently uh fate of the furious she's the villain Mm -hmm. and that didn't work for me because i hadn't i don't remember her as a villain before that and i don't think she worked but like i feel like between this journey and the journey that we're going on for too fast too forever like i'm gonna love that movie now because like that's what i want to see like i want to see her campy and like over the top and like just like this like you know villain who like knows that she's smart and she's beautiful and she's a killer like i love that like i wish we had more of that she's a great actress like she's got true range you know like she's able to go small and then she which we haven't really seen much of but like you know it's there and she's able to be you know borderline and then she can go big like this and make it 
work and not be like laughable or something and be like the best thing about this movie you know and then go on to be able to be larger than life characters again and make them work i mean you look like furiosa you know like it's a straight out ripped out of a comic book thing and she just grounds it so strong and makes it so real and i believe it it's honest like she's just really good actress and we've she's been a good girl like she's been a you know her characters have all been for the most part like good people or trying to be on the right side i mean two days in the valley she you know has that awesome fight with Terry Hatcher and stuff and she's kind of evil in that movie but for the most part she plays like good people so it was nice that the movie at the end here said no like this whole time she was playing that good girl role again but then at the end it's like she's actually the badass in charge again I just wish it came a much sooner because it is so good I mean as soon as she runs the car into the casino I think the character starts to take on a little bit more of that badass role. And yeah, that, that's really when she starts to shine. I I mean, we're 11 movies into this. I, I think one thing is clear. She's as good as... She, I think she's probably better than we hoped. You know what I mean? In terms of like her <laughs> act. Like, we knew that she was a good actress. She's more engaging and more exciting and more diverse than I, I gave her... Not credit, but like than I expected, at least at this point in her career. What I did not realize is how many times she was not going to only be, like, in terrible movies, but also movies... Like, I, I started a new list on Letterboxd last night. Like, I'm not only ranking her movies from favorite to least favorite, but I'm also ranking... I made a list last night. It is called Charlize Theron Movies, where she plays an unattainable dream girl, yet is paired on screen with a guy who does not respect or deserve her, ranked by the order of the disparity. Like, <laughs> in seven of the 11 movies so far... She's forced to be with a guy who, like, doesn't deserve her, that she's, like, supposed to be, like, this, like, wonderful girl, ranking from the worst we've seen so far in Celebrity to the best, but still an example of this, in Mighty Joe Young. Not her love with Joe, but her love with Bill Paxton. Like, he does not deserve her, but it's still, it's not (laughs) terrible. But, like, Celebrity, Trial and Error, this movie, Two Days in the Valley, Cider House, Devil's Advocate, and Mighty Joe Young all fall into that trap, which is, like, look how wonderful she is, look how beautiful she is, and, like, you can look like Tobey Maguire and get this girl, too. Like, oh, come on. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's, like, just an unfortunate example of what most women in Hollywood Hollywood. have to go through, you know? Yeah, like, I think even Kara made a comment on your Facebook post about something along those lines, and it's definitely not something I was expecting, but I definitely should have seen it coming, I feel, and I don't feel like it's over even for her i feel like she's gonna have to work some of these parts again just just to be able to work and that's yeah that kind of sucks but one good thing is like she's never phoning like i never get the sense that she's phoning it in or doesn't have the energy to do this or whatever even in something like astronaut's wife which is just like so like heavy and all that and like she really has to keep up like this what is going on sort of phase for the whole movie like she has stamina to endure i'm really glad about that i i like you joey like it's just i wasn't aware just the caliber of actor that she is like i knew she was good i always enjoyed her i loved her a lot but i was not ready to see her be good in everything basically you know be like be like cage like almost the best part of everything you guys made a a very good i know you guys voted or had uh had an open vote for this but i think when even if it wasn't brought to a vote that uh she's just got a lot of range and she's been through a lot of different phases 
I feel like, you know, like a lot of actresses that have started in the 90s and, and are still working today, she's made a lot of good choices. She's made a lot of bad choices. She's made a lot of choices that are just kind of vanilla. I think that she was a just a solid candidate to, 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 to watch all of her movies and, and talk about them. I think so, too. I just wish, like, I love seeing her in all these movies, and I'm excited to keep going. I just wish that there were more good movies. That like I think that's it's gonna make the movies that I haven't seen that are great. Like I'm still eagerly looking forward to Monster, which I still have not seen. When we get to a movie that I haven't seen that like is good and she's good in it, it's gonna be like even better. You know what I mean? Because like we're mm-hmm. wading through the muck. Like I feel like yeah. we watched, you know, we did 72 episodes of Keanu Club, and aside from Bill and Ted, which I knew I was gonna enjoy, you know, there were two surprises out of 72. <laughs> there was Man of Tai Chi and there was Flying. So we had one early and we had <laughs> one late, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so she's only done 45 things, so maybe we'll only get one, I mean, I'm looking forward to Monster, but I just want one movie that I don't know to, like, wow me. And, you know, we're, like, a quarter of the way through right now, and, like, it hasn't happened yet. I'm impressed by her, again, like I said. There's no movies, like, no new movies that I've seen or movies that I've rewatched where I'm like, oh, well, like, this is actually pretty great. Like, I just I just want to get to that point. I know it's coming, but I just want to get there now. I will say that Charlize Theron is in one of my favorite movies of all time. I know you guys probably really liked Fury Road. Yes. I've, since Fury Road has come out, I've probably watched it two dozen times. I think it's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yes. Uh, when she put a bullet in Gary Sinise, like, laying on the ground, just shot him. For a brief moment, I was just like, Furiosa. Hell yes. Dude, there you go. yeah. I thought of John Wick because it was a headshot. I was like, ooh, <laughs> brutal. So two things. So you probably saw, you know, 20 years ago, Duke, uh, Mighty Joe Young. But there's a scene at the end. I mean, if you forget everything about it, that's totally fine because I forgot everything about it. But there's a scene at the end where she's like in a truck that's like speeding down a highway. And she's like hanging on a door. We're like, oh, Furiosa. Yeah. So like we're seeing like these like little glimmers of what's to come. But what I actually did like in terms of the guns in this movie was when Gary Sinise unnecessarily kills that guy on the frozen lake. I like that he doesn't really shoot him. Like he shoots him once, but instead of shooting him, he just shoots the ice around him and lets him dr- <laughs> like kill, like lets him fall through the and like and drown and. Freeze like that's kind of cool like there's cool stuff in here which is annoying because like the rest of it's just like ugh. you know what i i did like that imagery i think that is a cool way to kill somebody but the problem again i had with that is it just happened to two characters they just fell through the ice so i was like oh man like didn't this writer just write this like didn't he know how many more people are going to fall through the ice in this movie i'll agree it is it is a cool it is a cool way to kill somebody in, in a movie instead of just like shooting them point blank all right, dude, do you have any other last thoughts about this before we get into our brand new game that we're unveiling here on Watch the Throne? I have one thing to say, and that is this movie's ending is so bad. Ben, you're rich. You have all the money. Wait, no, you're <laughs> not rich because you're going to give all the money away. Oh, I, like, I kind of like that a little bit. I hated that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he walks home and has dinner and the movie's over. The ending is terrible. What the hell? It's the worst. <laughs> like, you gotta be shitting me. He's gonna play Santa now and like, oh, okay, like this is a poor town, I guess, because we see like two trailer homes. All right, you have 15 miles to walk. You're gonna get there and it's still daylight out. Like, I was just calling horse shit at this point. And then the music swells to like, it's it's planes, trains, and automobiles all of a sudden. I was... Ugh. Yeah, the end is like a kids' movie, like the music, like almost yeah. like kindergarten copish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, we don't get any sense of this, but I was thinking maybe if he's not a complete idiot, he sort of pulls a Logan Lucky, spoilers for the end of Logan Lucky, when he, like, gives, he mm-hmm. seemingly gives the money back, but, like, also keeps some on the side. Like, maybe he kept some. Or, Oh, also Too Fast, Too Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious. We ain't hungry no more. Maybe he kept, like, one little stack of money just to give him a little bit of a nest egg or something. I don't know. Mike, any other thoughts about this before we move on? No, sir. Six months of leftovers. He says he's going to eat six months of leftovers. <laughs> That's pretty gross if you're still eating your Christmas ham or turkey six months later. Hey, man, I guess if he's used to that jello with the roaches in it, he'll take six months of leftovers. And who, wait, who has a, do you guys have Christmas turkey or Christmas ham if you, if you celebrate? Usually my family makes ham, the ham. I think ham is generally it's a Christmas usually thing. ham. Yeah, so what's with him and his Christmas turkey? I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe it's just also Thanksgiving, but all he wants, you know, <laughs> is hot chocolate and pecan pie. He houses that, that pecan leftover. pie. He, he's pulling a Rooney Mara on that pecan pie. Yes. So we do have an email address for this show, watch at cageclub.me. No mail today, but email us, let us know. Let us know actually what you think of the new game we're about to unveil. Mike and I got burnt out by Hollywood Tycoon. We, I think we both <laughs> love the game, but it is exhausting mm-hmm. to come up with like fresh recasts every week. So we did that for 10 episodes. We're going to unveil a new game here today that we're going to do for the next 10 episodes. At episode 21, whatever that is, we'll either return to the the recast game or maybe do a new game. So we have time to figure that out. But the game we are unveiling today, heretofore unnamed game, pitch a sequel. So we have nine different genres, which we might add to in the coming weeks, that we're going to do a a randomizer, one through nine. And each of us is going to pitch a sequel. What would Reindeer Games 2 be about with one of these genres? So these genres on the table are a straight-to-DVD movie, so like some kind of schlocky thing you get for three bucks at Walmart, Indie Darling, Oscar Bait, which is sort of a bigger version of an Indie Darling, I would say, Hollywood Blockbuster, Gritty Reboot, Horror Slasher Film, Sci-Fi, Sports Movie, and then Musical or Competition Movie, so like a Pitch Perfect or a Step Up or just a straight-up musical, whatever it is. Duke, I hate to put you on the spot, but we are going to go to the guest first, all right? I'm okay. putting on a randomizer, number between one and nine. Your number is six, which means you have to pitch Reindeer Games 2 as a horror movie. Oh. Okay, I've got it. Charlize Theron's character, when it falls into the ravine, is actually yeah. part of an Indian burial ground. Nice. And of course, Nick also falls down there, too. The two of them come back to life and terrorize Ben Affleck's family post-Christmas dinner, <laughs> one by one picking them off as reanimated zombies. Wow. Love and it. we can name it Reindeer Games 2 Reanimation. Ooh, I love it. That is Ooh. a great way to start this off. Yeah, I think you just won. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> All right, Mike, your number is one. So that means you need to do a straight DVD a real low budget oh. <laughs> reindeer games 2 oh my goodness we're on the cheap huh and so maybe maybe in this movie they had they had the money to get back one of the stars like maybe they couldn't get i guess only ben affleck okay. is alive right so i know what to do i know exactly okay. where to go we pick up with rudy who's been recast so we recast ben affleck with someone more affordable but we keep the same character, which I feel is sort of like a sequel, low-budget thing to do. He decides to run this same game on a bunch of truckers that come into town. So he tells them that he's got a different name, and he finds a girlfriend, and they pretend to be brother and sister, and they rob, not a casino this time, but um, maybe they just rob like a mansion with like diamonds in it, sort of like... 
out of sight. At the end, he reveals that he's not who he says he was and that it's not his sister, but it's his girlfriend. And he gets killed at the end. In the way. He gets run over and over a cliff into a ravine. <laughs> and we can finally put the character to rest. All right. I mean, it's not great, but... <laughs> I, 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 I might. It's kind of the same $50. movie, but he's running the scam this time. I like it. Mine, I am very nervous. I got a two. I actually got, so in full transparency, I got a one, which was, again, straight to DVD, but, like, we'll just have three different genres for each movie. So I got a two, which is Indie Darling. <laughs> so this is a movie... I guess we need to sort of define what an indie darling is. It's like a uh, sort of quirky, maybe, something you probably find on Netflix. Not necessarily straight to DVD, like schlocky, but just sort of a little bit tweet, maybe. Who do I want to... I guess the question is, who do I want to focus on? Because, like, everybody is dead. Like, where do you go... Like, this is a tough movie, I think, to start off, unless you are reanimating people from the ground. You could go with the the cold bar waitress. (laughs) Oh! Okay, yes, okay. We follow the bar waitress. Like, it's sort of a... Rosencrantz and Gilderstern, where we're seeing Reindeer Games from her perspective. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. She's here. Dennis Farina's character is married, but she's having an affair with him, right? <laughs> and so the movie, this Reindeer Games 2 subtitled B... Wait, Mike, did you name your movie or no? Oh, I didn't. I didn't. More Reindeer Games. Okay. okay. Whatever my movie is going to be titled. We start off, it's sort of before this movie begins... We see her having an affair with Dennis Farina in in his office. You know, we see, and then we, like, see a picture of him and his wife. You know, his wife calls, maybe his wife shows up. We know that, like, there's something going on here. That she's, like, it's it's not a relationship, it's just a thing on the side, whatever. Movie continues, we see the Santas come in. They kill Dennis Farina. She then has to rebuild her life and forms an unlikely bond with his now widow, where the two of them team up to run the casino. Nice. I like it. So it's going to be called Reindeer Games 2, Two for the Money. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely lost this round. (laughs) I just want to concede. (laughs) Who do you cast uh, Dennis Farina's wife as? I'm thinking... Carla Gugino. Well, that would be good. For some reason, I'm thinking Jennifer Jason Leigh. Oh, I like that even more. Yeah, she's got some spit to her, yeah. I like, Mike, that we have replaced a difficult game with, not an equally difficult game, but another difficult (laughs) game, but at least it's one that does not require forethought, like it just in the moment. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's my defense about today, too, is that uh, we're on the spot and... (laughs) Well, as your first guest to play the game, I think it was very fun. I liked it. Cool. So, uh, let's see, do I have any other... Oh, okay, yes. So the other thing... shorter game. Yes, it's also a much shorter game. So... The other thing is the awards. So okay. as much as we didn't like this movie, I did nominate this for a handful of awards. So here, mm-hmm. so Duke, what we're doing is we did the Cage Club Awards, we did the Keanu Club Awards. For both of those, Mike and I went back after we finished and like looked back and tried to remember things. What we're doing this time is nominating things in real time so that we A, don't forget things, and B, have like a more accurate, complete list. So okay. what I nominated this for, four things... Number one, worst love story yes, for Ashley yes, slash Billy too. and all three guys. Oh, mm-hmm. perfect. Best death, pinned had to a that. flaming car and driven off a cliff, then explodes. Yes. Best non-Charlize death, a bunch of Santas, and I wrote down pow, wow. Because I think what Dennis Farina <laughs> turns around with those machine guns, that's pretty cool. The first entry into the best line category, for your information, I never 
fuck the wrong guy. So I like that too. Was there anything else about this movie, either of you, that you thought either good or bad should be honored or recognized at the tentatively titled Golden Wallpapers? I think you're right about that one line is better than my favorite Charlize line from the movie, which is, when I get back in the room, you better be wearing nothing but a candy cane. (laughs) I'm going to put that down too, though. I'm I'm going to have both of them there, because I mean, like... And of course, Affleck's line of, I had better sex in prison. (laughs) I sort of want to nominate this for Worst Film, but I don't think it's going to lose. Well, that's the only other category I came up with was Worst Movie. Yeah. All right, so I'll, I'll, put it, I'll put it there, too. So 11 movies. We already have four nominated for Worst Film. The Astronaut's Wife, Celebrity, Hollywood Confidential, and Reindeer Game. I mean, technically, there's less, I guess, there's less enjoyable movies. I don't know. I mean, like, I'm going to I'm gonna ease up here towards the end of the show and say, like I, like I said earlier, like, I get it if you, if you can watch this movie and think it's, like, a good, bad movie. I just find it to be a bad movie. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that, you know, Charlize hates this movie, too, is not a, a glowing recommendation, either. Um, any other categories that we want to nominate it for, or no? I don't. Th- I can't think of anything else. Uh, nothing I could think of. All right. So the very last thing we will do on the show, we have a, lo- a lot of other podcasts on the network. Mike, which one would you like to f- feature today? This episode comes out on February 16th. Oh, you know what I'm going to feature? The first episode, if all goes according to plan, the first episode of the Billy Club podcast, Nico's ah. Daredevil comic book podcast, will have been out three days ago so go check that out if that's not out yet go listen to the contenders which launched last week and we'll also i'll be on the next episode for wonder woman that's tobin's podcast which tobin's not been on this show yet but he's been on other shows of ours shining a light on the unruly women of cinema that one for sure will be out in february i think billy club will be out by now either way go check out our new shows i think they're both pretty cool agreed but duke thank you so much for joining us for this i don't know who we're gonna do next are you signed up for any other ones no this is your only one no other movies came out in 2000 for her whatever whatever our next podcast person is we have to find we have to hope first of all that they were in a movie in 2000 and hope that it was a good movie that you are not a good movie but one you actually want to see again yeah i'm two in one right now yeah it's not bad it's not bad it's not bad but yes thank you so much for joining us pleasure to have you thank you guys it's always a pleasure so for all things watch the throne and all things cage club podcast network including the episodes of gone 60 seconds and the replacements you can go to cageclub.me facebook.com slash cage club or at cage club pod on twitter remember we have an email address watch at cageclub.me email us thoughts about the show thoughts about the new game thoughts about this movie you know, defend the movie. I try to do my best to defend the movie. You know, if you love this movie, explain why. If you hate this movie, we get it, but tell us why. Watch at cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Dan Hayden. And we'll see you next time on Watch the Throne. (laughs) 